This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. The bird is the word. In NFC East, you in trouble. And another thing, I'm tired of the Kansas City Chiefs. The SB's Best Team Award just just took my hate for them to all-time high. Well, I can't say hate. You know, I don't, like, despise them like the Cowboys or the Giants, but they're my third least favorite team now. Even ahead of the Washington sitcom. What? I thought I wasn't going to talk about the SB's Best Team Award because I already knew an NBA team or NFL team was going to win instead of the Oklahoma Sooners who, Oklahoma Sooners softball, who dominated college softball and broke records once again for a third year in a row. They did it for a third year in a row, so much so that they got nominated by the ESPYs. They're that good. And they should have won the award three years in a row. However, the voting process exposes the mindset of the average sports fan because the voting is done by the fans, basically your average ESPN voter. And it ain't just the fans of the NFL teams. I think the last three years, the NFL team has won the award, which is dumb, but that's that's what's happened three years in a row. I refuse to go through this a fourth year in a row. I, w- I won't get upset about this next year if Oklahoma wins again and dominates again, which is going to be hard, by the way. But if they do somehow do that again and they're back at the ESPYs and just for an NFL team, even if it's the Eagles, I'm just going to be like, man, I'm done. But the average ESPN guy or girl automatically thinks, well, NFL is king, NBA is king, women's sports is a joke, and college sports is just not the pros. That's their mindset. So the best team is, I guess in their mind, best, most skilled and most popular. And I'm just like, I think the best team is maybe it's a combination of it all. Most skilled, most popular, most dominant. Just the flat out best. But I'm like, why not the Oklahoma Sooners? They're clearly the best team. 61 and 1, 53 game winning streak, three peat NCAA softball. I know it's college softball and it's. Not as popular as the NFL and the NBA or any of the pro sports that be on TV or even college football or basketball. But still, what they've done is miraculous and none of those teams on that list would have ever done a a thing. I don't care what league they're in. To do what they did was outstanding. If college, if women college sports is so easy, why why aren't these other teams breaking records? like Oklahoma Sooners are. Why ain't they doing it? Because they're not 
as special as these guys. Of course, the Chiefs won the ESPYs award, even though, okay, I'll admit they had a great season. They were 14-3. and three. They had the same record as the Eagles. To me, they were the second best team in the NFL behind the Eagles. They stole the Super Bowl. They barely got past the Bengals. They played around with the Jaguars. Yet, they won the award because they're the most popular and everyone knows Patrick Mahomes is. That's all. That's all. Because the Nuggets had a more impressive season. The Golden Knights had a more impressive postseason. LSU had a more impressive season. The only teams they really lost to was they lost to South Carolina and Tennessee, right? That's it. Literally, that's it. Georgia went undefeated. Now, they had some ugly games, and they should have lost to Ohio State, but they went undefeated. Las Vegas Aces, I mean, they won the Commissioner's Cup, and then they pretty much ran through the pro season. Well, they they did get tested by the Seattle Storm and somewhat by the Sun, but other than that, they just they ran through the season. They were like that. And they're going to be even better this season. Uh, who else was on that list? I don't even know. And, and, and Man City, who won the treble, who won the biggest tournaments in the world, they weren't on the list. UConn, who went undefeated in non-conference, and, okay, the tournament one was shaky because all the one and two seeds got knocked out. But they just destroyed everybody. They destroyed everyone that weren't wasn't in a conference. That's impressive. Everyone was more impressive than the Kansas City Chiefs. But they won anyway. And then the cherry on top, Nick Wright, the biggest Chiefs fan in sports media, said... They might be the first ever NFL franchise to three-peat. What? I was like, oh, hell no, I'm done. That's it. They must go down. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is elite. Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. Andy Reid has been one of the best coaches in the league for like two decades. But let's not get carried away. Stole the Super Bowl. And... Now, sure, they'll win their division because their division ain't there yet. Okay, that's done. Check. So they'll have at least one home playoff game. Check. I know I fell into this trap last year and they, they just won the Super Bowl. But I really can't see them beating can I really can't see them beating Buffalo or Cincinnati in the AFC championship. I really can't. That this is is finally gonna happen, like for real this time. I know it happened two years ago when the Bengals won, but it's gonna happen again, man. I'm telling you, man, and I can't wait because I'm tired, man. I'm tired of this team already, and the media and their fans just ignited my burning passion to see them lose. Cause it's ridiculous, man. Sure, Patrick Mahomes, really good. I voted for him as best NFL player. But this is getting ridiculous. It's getting carried away. And they they stole stole the Super Bowl, and then they stole the uh, SB Best Team Award from the Eagles. Not from the Eagles, but from the Sooners. 
They stole it from my lady. So now I'm just I'm just done with them. They can take a big fat L in the playoffs. Uh, the sooner, the better. Anyway, en- enough of my rant. I uh, got to get in the summer league. Wow. I didn't think I'd watch this much summer league, but Wimby Mania, Brandon Miller. Uh, I didn't really watch any Scoot Henderson, but I, I see he did. I see he did all right. I'm I'm mad we didn't get to see him versus Wimby. I'm mad we didn't get to see him versus Brandon Miller. Sucks, but I guess we'll see plenty of him in the NBA. As soon as he got hurt, they shut him down. Uh, Wimby played two games. First game, uh, he made it look easy. He was making it look easy. It, you know what I'm saying? Even though he didn't shoot well, which kind of started when I saw that video of him in a Spurs uniform. I guess he was shooting around before a photo shoot or after a photo shoot, and he was missing almost everything. So I was like, is this jumper broke? With that and then the first summer league game, I thought his jumper was broke. But he came back the next game after his nine points, eight rebounds, five blocks, five blocks. Even in an off game, he had five blocks. Wow. He came back with 27 and 12, I believe. And another freaking handful of blocks. This guy. He's still, even even when he's off, he makes it look easy. He can block shots on the perimeter. The fact that he can guard the perimeter is a huge plus. Him being 7-3, and can guard the perimeter like he does in today's NBA is an asset. And the Spurs are fortunate to have him. Obviously, he got good touch around the rim. His passing is underrated. He made some passes in the first game that made me ooh and ah. He be dunking on people. He put back dunk over three people. Damn! <laughs> I was like, this guy, man. And um, also... In that second game, I think it was, was it against the Pacers? No, it wasn't against the Pacers. It it was against somebody else. I'm mad he didn't get to play against the Wizards. No, it was against Portland, just without Scoot Henderson, unfortunately. But he killed it that second game. But I mostly watched the first game, and Brandon Miller rise to the occasion. But I think that's because, you know, he, he was attacking. He was aggressive. And he had played two games earlier, which um, I saw a theme in this summer league is the most hype players kind of nervous at first with all the quote unquote pressure. But then they came back the next game or games afterwards and just got better and better and better. And that's what it's all about. And then some of them just got shut down after they had their best games. <laughs> it's like organizations was like, okay, we didn't seen enough now. We didn't seen enough. That's it. <laughs> That's pretty much the theme, man. You know, Brandon Miller, he's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. It took him a little bit, 
and and people just overreacting after one bad game from Brandon Miller and Victor Wamayana. And NBA Twitter, NBA social media is toxic. They hype you up, and then you have one bad game, and all of a sudden, just all the disrespectful tweets and comments come out, and it just blows your mind. Man, oh, man. Uh, also, uh, the second-year players just grinding hard during the summer league. Um Man, oh man. Keegan Murray for the Kings. He was a big rotational piece for the Kings. In the regular season, he played in the playoffs. He was in that game seven for the Kings. He was playing in summer league. Of course, he just ran through it. Um, Ivy. Ivy from the Pistons. It wasn't as much hype as last year because Wimby Mania and Brandon Miller. So he kind of went under the radar. He's been playing hard. Johnny Davis for the Wizards, been playing. He's playing today for the Wizards in Summer League. Um, the Pacers, who was the Wizards' first opponent? Yeah, the Wizards' Summer League first opponent. They played Matherin. They played Nimhard. They played Isaiah Jackson. These guys play significant minutes for the Pacers during regular season. And they made it look easy. They were cooking. Of course they were. <laughs> and I'm like, what is there to prove? I guess for some of them, some of them were hurt, so they didn't get as much action. So I guess they do summer league to, you know, kind of get back in the sweet swing of things and get more reps. I can understand uh, Chet Holmgren because he got hurt in the offseason. He got hurt right after summer league. So I can understand him playing summer league. But the rest of those guys uh, eh, could have stayed away. But, you know, they wanted to play. They wanted to get down and they got down. You know, most of the second-year players showed that, you know, they were confident and that they learned something from their first year in the NBA. Oh, that's cool. Now, just got to see it when the season starts. <laughs> Some of them are going to be okay. Like, that, we don't have to worry too much about them. But... You know, other guys, I mean, maybe they did need the reps. <laughs> anyway, yo. Uh, okay, the Wizards Summer League specifically. So pretty much no one's really sitting out. Tristan Vukovic is not in Europe. He's here. I don't know if we're sending him back to Europe after a Summer League, but he's played all the games. He started all the games. Bilal Koulibaly has played all the games, started all the games. Johnny Davis, our first-round pick last year, played all the games, started all the games. Here's the thing, though. Those are the most hype prospects so far. But Ryan Rollins has been that guy. And I'm like, how the heck the Warriors just gave him away? How did the Warriors just give him away? And I was like, they were just hiding him? On the bench? Because, okay, 
They got him in a trade from the Hawks. I guess Ice Trader Gang messed up there. He's on the Warriors, on the Santa Cruz Warriors. He gets hurt, misses like most of the season. He missed Summer League last year because he was hurt. Then the Warriors trade him to get Chris Paul. And I'm like, who is this guy? Patrick Baldwin Jr. already know who he is. He's been decent in Summer League, but I don't know how much he's going to play for the Wizards and how much he's going to play for the Go-Go. We'll find out. But Ryan Rollins has been great. He's just been a great all-around player this summer, and he's either going to be a great Jordan Goodwin replacement because he was arguably, other than Johnny Davis, our best Capital City go-go two-way player. And, you know, late in the season, we were sitting everybody down. He played great in the NBA. So maybe Ryan Rollins is going to be a good replacement for him. Uh, Ryan Rollins is like 6'3", 190. Uh, Great combo guard, athletic, aggressive. He's been good. And I like this. I love that pickup. And he's starting again today for Summer League. Um, Wow. I guess the Warriors knew what they were doing. Well, kind of. I mean, they traded for him. And then they flipped him to us. So just imagine if he would have stayed with the Warriors, they could have brought him off the bench and, you know, we would have never saw it coming. But this kid is like that. You know, I think, to me, he is the bigger story than Koulibaly. Koulibaly is, you know, he's young. Koulibaly and Vukovic are, or Vucevic, I don't know how you say it. They are who I thought they were. Like, Koulibaly got... A lot of defensive potential, long arms, can easily block shots, uh, great on-ball defender. Offense could use some work. Tristan Vucevic, okay on defense. Uh, got a nice shooting touch, uh, decent offensive package. And he's seven feet and can shoot. I, I see those step backs. I see that soft jumper. I like it. But, you know, those two guys played nervous the first game. And all these guys, they were getting their shots capped. I mean, the Pacers had 13 blocks. But then again, maybe that's what happens when you go against a team that played a bunch of second-year players. But eh, I digress. But I kind of like what I see with the Wizards Summer League. Uh, They won one game so far. But the Pacers game, they was getting run off the floor. They was down by like 25, and they came all the way back. They still lost, but I love the fight that they showed. And then they came back and played their best game against the Celtics. Seven people in double figures. Quentin Jackson, who played with played with the go-go most of the season until about literally the end of the season. He's so fun to watch. He's so quick. I mean, he's skinny, but he's so quick and so athletic and can just fly. He can fly. He, he'll dunk on somebody. You give him room. You know, he just fun to watch because of his athleticism. So he he's getting busy in this um summer league. Uh it's just good it's just good to get excited about the young t- talent on our team, even though I don't know how this team is gonna look when we put it all together. Best case scenario, um Jordan Poole and 
Kyle Kuzma is the second coming of Gilbert Arenas and Antoine Jameson. I hope. But that's best case scenario. We got to see how it looks on the court when they play for real. But, hey, so far, so good, man. Um, Johnny Davis, like I say all the time, just like at Wisconsin or just like when he went from high school to Wisconsin, was okay the first year, major jump the second year. Maybe this will happen in the NBA. He just keeps getting better. And he's going to keep getting better to the point where he's going to be a solid starter for us in the future. But we'll see. We'll see. But I can see the growth. I don't know how many NBA games he's going to play, but I see the growth from first year to now. Anyway, man, anyway. What's next? Oh, the MLB draft. The MLB draft. Uh, the only thing that matters here is that the Nats didn't get Paul Skeens. What? I thought we were getting them. I was getting hyped. I was mentally preparing to get this 6-6 six, six pitcher from LSU. He was, he's bigger and stronger than Strasburg, and he was the best pitching prospect since Strasburg. And you know how that went. We got all the way to the top of the Strasburg Mountain, and you know what that ended up in? A World Series ring. And now we're rolling fast downhill quicker than an avalanche because he can't overcome injuries. But that's not the point. I was hyped to get this guy who have a crazy fastball that's over 100 and moves like a snake. When I seen him throw that ball, I was so excited to have him. All the, all the mocks were saying that the Nats were going to get him and that Dylan Cruz was going to Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden, the College World Series happened. They watched him basically shut out and strike out everybody, just about. And then all of a sudden, I hear whispers that Skeens might be going to Pittsburgh. And the next thing you know, the whispers get louder. And you know what they say, when there's smoke, there's fire. And sure enough, on draft day, they pick Skeens. I was like, dang, I was devastated. But then I quickly got over it when I realized we were taking Dylan Cruz. Just a great all-around baseball player in the outfield. He does literally everything well. When I look at him and I see him play, I just see Bryce Harper. The problem is he don't have the power that Bryce Harper has. I saw one video comparing him to Juan Soto because of his batting stance, but he don't have to shuffle. He don't have to swag. He don't need it. He got his own swag. But it's all good. It's all good. Like, he runs the bases well. He throws well. He, 
I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna read you his stats. Like seriously, just in the last game of the College World Series, the one that won them the championship when they annihilated Florida, eighteen to four. He was four for six, one RBI, three runs, a triple, and that was that was pretty good. And during the season, he was third in the NCAA in batting average with 426. Come on, man. Y'all in trouble. Y'all in trouble. NL East, y'all are in trouble. Wait till all these guys develop, get older, get more seasoned, and all y'all veterans wither away. They come. Y'all in trouble. Now, we missed out on that extra piece in our pitching rotation, but that's what free agency is for. That's what the farm system is for. That is what the future drafts are for. Um, We're probably going to be picking really high again next year, so it might be a really good pitcher coming out that we might be all right with, or... Check this. Our 71st pick, right? I think he was our uh, second or third draft pick. 40th ranked prospect. Fell all the way down to 71 to the Nats. Very interesting to me. Uh, Travis Skyora. He's a high schooler from Round Rock, Texas. Committed to Texas. But there's a chance that he might forego that and play in the pros. I mean, well, this happens all the time. You know, people either deciding to go to college and develop more or just going through the minors and going through the system and working their way up to the major leagues. Um, so he's 6'6", 232. He basically is the same size as Skeens. He's not as good as Skeens yet, but he is a similar type player. Uh, same thing, fastball that can reach 101. Uh, he got a mid 80 slider, but clubs want him to develop a changeup. Um, if this kid can develop fast, it may not be a bad thing to lose skeins if we got someone like this coming up. My thing is, I selfishly want him to go to the Nats and stay with the Nats just so we don't go to Icky, Texas. Ugh. Tuck Fexus. Why would you go over there? Ugh. I don't want him playing for my rivals. I don't want him terrorizing my Oklahoma Sooners. Stay away from there. Come to the Nats. Stay with the Nats. We'll take good care of you. You'll be in the majors in no time. Okay, maybe not. But... But seriously, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. I'd rather him stay in that than him go to Texas, selfishly, though. Then go to Texas, play three or four years there, and then get drafted again by somebody else. Uh, That is a nightmare. Makes me sick that he is a Longhorn. For now. But um, there's there's this thing called slot money, and we might spend money to keep him as a Nat up to $1 million. But I don't know. It's his decision. 
I don't. It feel like a lose lose. It's either he plays for my rival and terrorizes my Sooners, or he stays and we don't hear from him for maybe a year or two or longer. I would love to keep him. He has great potential and he could be our skeins answer. I really hope he don't go to Texas. Oh my God. I know he's from Texas and it's probably a dream to play for Texas, but please, no, don't do it. Don't go. You can't join the enemy like that, man. And then, you know, what will really suck if he stays with Texas and then later gets drafted by the Mets. It can't happen. That would be a straight-up nightmare. That would be a straight-up nightmare. It can't happen. For real. Anyway, man, I'm still looking forward to our upcoming prospects. I mean, because why not have hope? Why not have hope? Because we're last in the NL East. We're one of the worst teams in the league. Why not have hope? We just got swept by the Reds on 4th of July weekend. It's just unthinkable. Now, we did win some series now. Sandwiched in between that embarrassing Reds debacle. You know, won a series against the Brewers. Won a series against the Rangers before the All-Star break. But, man, it sucks. What is we doing? I mean, it's all good. At least they did, though. At least they did win that series against the Rangers. Josiah Gray did all right in his all-star appearance. I didn't expect him to be the only all-star, but that's what happened. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm glad this break is over and we can get back to some baseball. Uh, oh, real quick on the all-star thing. I barely watched it. I kind of... Watch the end of it. Shout out to the NL for finally breaking the losing streak. I can't believe it was nine in a row. It was almost as bad as, you know, West versus East in the NBA. <laughs> I wonder when the MLB is going to uh, split that up. They probably never will. If they haven't done it in 100 years, why would they do it now? Anyway, yeah. Va- Vlad Guerrero Jr. won the home run derby and. You know, good for him. I think the last time he was in it, he was really close. Uh, Julio Rodriguez once again had an amazing first round and then tapped out once again. You know, I feel like there's a a joke to be made there, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Randy Rose Arena was close, but he uh, ran out of gas. At least they're not going to go out like Bryce and Juan Soto, who when they won the home run derby, they got traded from the Nats literally months later. Well, Bryce just straight up left. We didn't get nothing for him. Juan Soto, we got all these prospects. Uh, One of them is rising fast, and he is um, our top prospect now, James Wood. James Wood uh, could be the next Aaron Judge. (laughs) Him, Dylan Cruz, 
Oh my God. That might be our answer to the Jonathan India, Ellie Dela Cruz thing we just witnessed with the Reds. That might be our answer. Let's see what you do with that. <laughs> oh man, might be our answer to losing uh, Juan Soto and Harper finally. I don't know. Uh, all these young, promising outfielders like uh, Robert Hassel III also is in that mix. He's also one of our top prospects. All these young, promising outfielders, some, someone's got to play. We still got Victor Robles, too. And Joey Manessas, but because we got a DH spot, you know, he can just keep dh Like, we don't even have to put him on the field. <laughs> And then we got Stone Garrett, too. Bro, it's just all these people we got, all these young players. It's just who wants it more? Who wants it more? Who's going to develop correctly and be the biggest asset for us? But if Dylan Cruz and James Wood keep doing what they're doing, that's going to be a crazy one-two punch, and you've heard it here first. The Mets... The Braves, the Phillies won't do anything with it. Get ready to rock. And if we can, um, okay, if we can improve C.J. Abrams a little bit, that's even more speed we have. Y'all just going to be in trouble. Y'all are going to be in big trouble. Then we can fill in the rest of the spots. We got Kbert Ruiz at catcher. I think he's going to be our catcher for a while. Cool with that. Um, we just get some free agents to fill in the spots. We Gucci. We're back. I'm just optimistic because that's all I have because we keep losing. I keep spending money on games just to see us get cooked and me lose uh, 50-50 raffles. Uh, I haven't won one yet. I keep giving him my $10, and I keep losing every time. It used to be 5 was the minimum you could pay. Now it's 10 so I'm just, it's, it's just, I'm just burning money because I never win this damn 50-50. But yeah, that's just my life as a Nats fan right now. Shame, but it is what it is. Oh, the Mystics. So it's just about All-Star Weekend for the WNBA. Now the Mystics, I think they've been dealing with injuries all season. But at one point, there was like a one to two week period where literally everyone was healthy. Like we had no injuries. Even Maisha Hines Allen was playing and she started off the season hurt. Now, Della Don's hurt. She's our best player and still one of the best players in the league. Natasha Cloud just got back. Shakira Austin's hurt. She rose to be our second best player. And now, after a few good games, Ari Watkins is hurt. See, this is why we got Brittany Sykes now, because she is cooking. Now, instead of cooking us with the Sparks and losing a bunch of games, she's with us and keeping us relevant. So I guess for a while, it's going to be the Sykes-Natasha Cloud show. Tiana Hawkins has really stepped up. She's shown to be a vet. Um, Another woman or another... Uh, professional athlete that's my age that I can't believe it like her Odell Beckham DeAndre Hopkins they're all my age I can't believe it but yeah Tiana Hawkins is really stepping up she's really playing well 
uh, Queen Egbo fit right in. Already doing more than my girl, uh, Amanda uh, Zoe B. I don't even know if I said that right. But that was my girl, man. That was my girl. But, hey, Queen Queen Igbo has been a better fit so far. Uh, hey, I got to get over the fact that we let go Abby Myers and haven't brought her back. We signed two people instead. It's a shame. Lee Mong is back playing significant minutes. And it's just the veterans on this team are stepping up. And that's why I have hope. And that's why... Once everyone comes back, I still think that they have a chance to they have a chance to be a title contender still. I mean, because we got Deladon. Come on now. We got Deladon. Anything's possible. This team can really compete once we get everyone healthy. But those injuries are critical. Those are like three of our best players. Those are three of our best starters. You got to be... Oh, and Christy Tolliver, I forgot about her. She provides clutch shooting off the bench. Sucks, but we're dealing with it. We're still winning games. We beat Seattle despite Jewel Lloyd going ape. I mean, literally, Jewel Lloyd is scoring like Michael Jordan in the late 80s. What? But she still couldn't carry her storm to a victory. I love it. I absolutely love it. Still winning games. Uh, won a game before that, too. So now, coming off the break, see what we do. I plan to be at the Indiana game on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be kids' day, so it's going to be a bunch of screaming kids. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be sitting by some screaming kids, and I'm just going to be like, Lord, help me. I hope this is a good game. Even without Deladon. I hope this is a good game, and I hope we win. Like, and I hope we do something with Aaliyah Boston. Something. I know she's really good, but come on, man. Come on now. It's winning time. We got to win this game. We got to figure it out. Anyway, man, I still like the direction the Mystics are going, even though things look grim. Oh, man. I guess I'll do some quick takes here. So, Team USA lost to Panama after barely beating Canada. I didn't really watch these games, but it's disappointing that they didn't win the Gold Cup. You know, after they annihilated Mexico, I had a lot of hope. After they made the knockout round in the World Cup, I had a lot of hope. I thought, you know... Maybe maybe I'm uninformed and I need to watch these guys more, but I was disappointed that they barely beat Canada and lost to Panama in a similar fashion that they beat Canada, you know, lost in PKs. I don't know what to do about this team. I just hope when the next big tournament comes around, they have their stuff together and no more silly defeats like this. I mean, it is what it is, you know? I don't even know if they had their best players out there for the Gold Cup, but the point is, not in the finals. It's going to be Mexico and Panama, Panama, Mexico and Panama. And I'm like, oh, well, Central America won again. <laughs> Killed us. 
uh, is what it is, man. On to the next. Uh, the Northwestern scandal. So the Northwestern scandal, it's crazy, you know? Hazing. Uh, a lot of stuff with nakedness and just punishments for freshmen messing up during practice. I'm like, come on, man. And you know what's crazy? Pat Fitzgerald had a video saying that no, the program was against hazing and they support a big brother program, uh, positively bringing up the freshmen and the new people in their program. Um, I guess according to the investigation, it was all cap. And, you know, I'll be on Twitter all the time, so I'm very familiar with the cap on this app. The athletic department is getting bodied by a school newspaper. Damn! They better get their stuff together. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is looking like a Scooby-Doo villain. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for the meddling kids. Facts. But those folks at the Daily Northwestern was on it. I mean, they was wilding, bro. The stuff I read, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's ridiculous. But... They was tripping, bro. Had to put a stop to all that. That's not an environment you want. And they weren't winning that many games anyway. (laughs) So, yeah. Did this. Create a better culture. And move on. Okay. Um, Okay, quick history of my NBA and NFL fandom because I read a tweet last week that um, from a Texas fan was like probably got in an argument with somebody about championships and it said how many championships have you seen in your lifetime and people were listing their teams and I was like I've seen quite a few and it got me thinking about my NBA and NFL fandom So currently, I'm a Wizards fan and Eagles fan. So, of course, automatically in the 90s, I rooted for the home team. I didn't know any better. Rooted for the Wizards. I mean, they were the home team. I mean, anytime I got to go to MCI Center, I was happy. And, of course, I had to root for my team. But then I started watching more basketball and seeing other players. And then that's when I got fascinated with... Ray Allen. So I started liking the Bucks for two years. That 2001 Bucks team was my favorite, one of my favorites ever. And it's a shame they couldn't get past Iverson. But the more time passed, the more I appreciate Iverson and that 01 team, even though they beat the Bucks, who I was rooting for hard. I appreciate what they did still. So time heals things. But then the Bucks became mid, missed the playoffs, and then they traded Ray Allen. Cool. So then I started in 2003. I got fascinated with the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki because they got off to this fast start. And I was just loving it. 
I was like, all right, this is my new team. And I pretty much liked the Mavericks from 03 to 2012. I don't know what happened, like, right after they won the title. My whole, I don't know, childhood from middle school to when I got to college was vindicated. Rooting this hard for the team, finally paid off with a title. But I saw Oklahoma City rising. They were very fun to watch, and I loved their fans. So I kind of started gravitating towards them. And then also in 2012, I started getting more connected with my hometown. And then John Wall, Bradley Bill, I kind of like how they're what they were building over there. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to ride this Wizards Thunder Wave. It was a youth movement at the time. So I'm just going to ride with that. I pretty much did that for four years. And then when KD left the Thunder, coupled with me leaving Oklahoma to come back to D.C., I just said, you know what, screw it. I'll just root for the Wizards. And that's when I started, you know, going to Wizards games and all that. And I just, now I'm in this miserable existence of being a Wizards fan. It just seems like, it's just, it seems like no hope, but I'm trying to look at the positive. That They're making some moves that could make me excited for the future. But that's where I am right now. A frustrated Wizards fan. What an existence it is. They haven't won a title since 1978. Devin got past the second round since the early 80s. Like, it's it's been tough. They might have got past the second round since 1978. No, they went to the finals in 1979, I, I believe. They haven't done anything since then, bro. They just haven't. They, okay, they made some splashes, but nothing significant. There you go. Now the NFL, NFL, Eagles. So once again, just like the Wizards, 90s automatically... Root for the Redskins, obvious. I mean, even my uncle is a huge, he's the biggest Washington fan I know. My uncle that lives in Atlanta, huge Washington. I don't know a bigger fan than he, than he is. I really don't. He knows about everything. My mom's a big fan. My grandma was a fan. Like... Most of the people at my church were Washington sitcom fans. So automatically rooted for them. I rooted for the Cowboys for two seconds in the late 90s because I liked their color scheme. But no, it didn't take long to dislike them because, well, they were the big rivals in town. So it didn't take long to start disliking them again. (laughs) But then... Once again, just like with the Dirk Nowitzki, Ray Allen thing, I got fascinated with Donovan McNabb. And, you know, I just love the way he played, the way he ran around, the way that he made throws. He was just an exciting player to watch. He pretty much did in the early, listen, the early stages of McNabb, he did about the same things that Michael Vick did. 
and it was fun to watch. He was all dancing. He kind of looked like me, and it, it was just it, it, this fun new player was great to watch. And then the Eagles were rising. Like, they were becoming the new best team in the NFC. And, you know, um, became a fan in 2001 and just haven't looked back. Even when they traded McNabb to the Redskins, it was too late by then. I spent almost a whole decade being an Eagles fan. It wasn't any turning back. So I rooted against McNabb, who played for my hometown team. That was crazy. Imagine if that happened in 2000, 2001. Where would I be? Um, who knows? But that that one's more cut and dry than the NBA one. Okay? But the bird is the work. And you're going to respect it. You're going to respect the bird in 2023. Just had to remind you. This was the perfect time to remind you. But yeah, been an Eagles fan since 2001. So I won't accept any bandwagoning, bandwagoning allegations because it's just not true. <laughs> That's had its ups and downs itself. But in the modern era, you know, every time the Eagles have sucked, They come right back and make the playoffs a year or two later. And, you know, it didn't end up in the Super Bowl. They finally won one, though, in 2017. And, boy, that was some of the best times of my life, man. Back when I could run half marathons. (laughs) Those were some good. And my car was in tip-top shape. Those were some good times, man. Those were some really good times. But, you know, it is what it is. I was going to do a hypothetical with the 98 Broncos and 01 Ravens. Matter of fact, let's do a quick one. Let's do a quick one on what is sports. Cue the music. You know, I'm only doing this because um, Shannon Sharp was asked the question, who will win between 98 Broncos and 01 Ravens? He was on both teams. Both teams are historic. Both teams uh, won the Super Bowl. But the Ravens had a historic defense and unbelievably below average offense. But their defense was so good that it didn't matter. So... Here we go. What are sports? So I'm about to put I'm about to put it in. Um, you know, Broncos, Terrell Davis, John Elway, Mark Slareff, Shannon Sharp. I squad was loaded. <laughs> they were nice. But okay. We'll do uh what let's do 98, okay. 98 Broncos. Honestly, the Denver Broncos in 97 were probably better. So I'll do 97. 
I do 97. <laughs> they were 12 and 4. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, they have Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey. I think they're both Hall of Famers. But even if they aren't, like, they were really good. Okay, Baltimore Ravens. Let's go 2000. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, yo. Um, oh, Lord. Let's go uh, neutral site here. You know what? Why not? What am I doing here? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to do Arrowhead. Oh, yeah, RFK. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's do it. Oh, the 2000 Ravens, 23 to 7. 23 to 7. And honestly, oh, it was a close game. And Denver didn't score in the second half. That's unreal. So I'll just read off the stats. Jamal Lewis was the player of the game. Uh, what was his rushing stats? 20 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Wow. Uh, Shannon Sharp was cloned. He was on both teams. On the 97 Broncos, five receptions, 65 yards. On the 2000 Ravens, two receptions, 15 yards. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Passing. Sean Elway, 15 for 32, 172 yards and a pick. Tony Banks, 11 for 27, 122. Y'all should have started Dilfer, but it is what it is. An interception. Okay. Sounds okay, I guess. The shutout, the shutout in the second half is definitely on brand for the 2000 Ravens. So, yeah, there you go. Had to bring back RFK Stadium. <laughs> if you've seen that, if you've seen RFK, you'd be like, how? How is that even possible? But it existed, and I guess it was a really good home field advantage. But now it's just rotting away. But it's a nice little backdrop for Apple product ads. <laughs> anyway, man. Goat level tees for all things goat level. But you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.